talking about movies that you once thought sucked, but now you realize that they rock. They might still suck. Fear and Nothing Podcast. Wow. Welcome, everybody, to the Fear and Loathing in Cinema podcast. Oh, my goodness. We're in the second week of November, and it is getting Thanksgiving-like, and that's what it is about this month. Food, Thanksgiving coming together, as you heard last week on our show when we talked about Son-in-Law and the Wee-Easel. We're going to take things down a little bit for another movie that has to deal with Thanksgiving, maybe, We'll talk about it. Food. I don't know. Religion. Romance. I, I don't know. Of course, you know, we're probably talking about the 2010 Eat, Pray, Loathe. Wait, Eat, Pray, Love. That's right. Uh, we're going to talk about that today on Fear and Loathing in Cinema. But I'm Brian Kluger, and I'm joined by the hosts with the most. I've got the grocery man here himself. He's all about groceries. Preston Varta, how are you? I'm well. My opinions are big enough to stand flat-footed and screw a chicken. <laughs> it's wonderful. Oh, yes. Where, what is chickens everywhere on this show? I don't know. Up next, we've got somebody who just loves religion. He's praying his way through Austin, Texas. Dan Moran, how are you? Yes, I am praying my way through. Making it through this film was an um, act of faith for this podcast, so... Stick around. We will have some talk. Right, right. So we we got groceries. We got praying. Now we got somebody who loves every movie ever made. She hails from Florida where love is the symbol. Chelsea hates this. Campbell, what's up? That made no sense whatsoever. (laughs) Um, I'm just ready to talk about another thing that Ryan Murphy destroyed. So... Oh shit. Well, before we do that, we got our question. We got we got a question to answer here and I'm I'm happy about this question. Uh we were talking about it the other day and uh Preston I think brought it up, but I like this question because in Eat Pray Love a character goes on a journey. Uh what journey? We don't know. Um but what character has the best journey through a movie that spoke to you the most? Um Preston, you brought this up. What 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 you got? Me, one of the most influential movies in my life, and even books more so than this one, is uh, Into the Wild. I find that story to be so uh, speaks to like who I am as a person because I guarantee if I did not have the great life that I have, with just to be very clear, I love my family, but. <laughs> If I was, I could totally see myself being a loner type that just travels from place to place, doesn't want to abide by the norms of society, and just is always just kind of going with the flow. So that film spoke so much to me, and I would love to just travel the world with the clothes on my back, make money wherever I happen to end up. I just want to experience the world. So that's the movie, man. 
That's interesting. First off, I like that just before you say anything, you're like, wait, just before I say this, I do love my family. And I'm expecting like, oh, my God. Yeah, my wife is my love lawyer, so I got to be careful. (laughs) So I I, I will agree. I've known Preston for a while. I've seen him in life. He it's very true that he is very he's like a feather in the wind like he is very easygoing and he just takes it very much in stride a lot uh i've seen it happen so it's that's that's it that's it's it's nice but i do like the end of the wild uh not yeah into the wild yeah i just like like the message is like he realized that he liked people (laughs) yeah so good for you preston I'll, i'll just read up on read up on my plants i'll be all right Yes, yes. So I don't want you eating any berries or meat that you can't do anything with. Um, okay, so Dan, what 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 movie character has the best arc for you that like influences you the most? Easy. So easy. One of my favorite books. It's obviously Frodo from Lord of the Rings. He has a mission. He uh, has some friends along the way. It's way too long of a journey. It sucks the entire time. You lose all your friends. And at the very end, some asshole comes along and says, why don't you just ask the Eagles to carry you there from the very beginning? And I feel like every single (laughs) work or like stress thing comes to once it's over, I'm like, oh, I could have handled this in such an easier way. (laughs) And I know that's not the message of the movie, but that journey and that realization at the end that everyone always jokes about just cracks me up because it's how I feel with every stressful situation, whether it's work, personal, it's like, I could have handled this in a much easier way. But like, okay, I like got. I feel like I have to break out the nerd card right now and be like, if they took the Eagles, that would have, Sauron would have won instantly. Yeah, sure. <laughs> For Frodo. He let you and have that. The what? He let you have that one. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't have like a, I don't have an old-fashioned uh, pipe to pull out and like argue Tolkien with you. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> a nine-hour movie journey, and at the end, some asshole's just going to poke you in the back and be like, why don't you just fly with those eagles, bro? <laughs> I, I feel like it's a football reference, but uh, I, I do like that Dan goes through life going through the hard way and then somebody at the end is like, you could have just taken this shortcut. Could have just opened the door. Yeah, it happens with, I mean, it happens with work. I had something with work yesterday and my boss was just like, you should have said this kind of letter. It would have got right, cut right to the chase. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, I like it. Frodo Baggins. <laughs> ah, that's so good. And uh, Into the Wild Guy. All right, Chelsea, what what we got? What character influences you in their character journey? Um, So I took this way too, like, somberly. So I'm going to change my... So my original answer was, um, I love the movie Arrival. Oh. And just kind of the how you know everything that's going to happen, but you still love the journey. Um, but I'm going to change my answer and go with um, Ellen Ripley from Alien. Love her journey. Is that what this podcast feels like to you? How, how far into her journey, though? Because there's some movies with her. She goes, she, she, she becomes a robot. Um, about, about two movies in. One, Chelsea likes cats. We've seen her cat. So that's mm-hmm. one. 
Two, she can dunk. <laughs> Space Jam, the movie with aliens. Oh, that's alien. No, there I you go. And we're the aliens that she's trying to kill. <laughs> I get it. I know that's a great story arc because at oh. first Ripley is just kind of there and she's kind of forced into this world where in part two, she's like, and in even part three, she's like the one that knows everything and is a badass. No, she, that's a great, that's, I mean, fine. Chelsea gave herself one of the greatest characters in the history of movies. I'm jealous. She, aren't you sad you didn't think about it? My backup, my backup was Amy Dunn from Gone Girl. <laughs> you, you and you and me, Dan. That was that was, was on just the like she yep. was just like this sucks, and I'm gonna figure out how to manipulate everyone so I get my way and One kill of my favorite characters along the way. Man, Wait, that dude, gave me an idea. Insight. For you. That's some insight into Dan as a lawyer. <laughs> That just gave me a great idea. I didn't even think going that route. Like, I have my real answer, but now I just thought of, like, fuck, Kaiser Soze? Like, oh, my God. Just comes in just like an idiot into the office, and he's just the mastermind around everything. Love that. The guy who plays him or the character? Both. (laughs) Because he's had an arc, too. Um, No. uh, Yeah, right? (laughs) Uh, no, I, I'm going with my favorite movie of all time, Army of Darkness. Bruce Campbell, Ash, that dude is just a regular schmo who likes to be romantic, take his girl to the cabin. He is forced into a world he doesn't want to be in, but comes out on top in Army of Darkness. Hail to the king, baby. Love that guy. Hell of an arc. That's a great answer. Yeah, so good. So good. So uh, speaking of character arcs and journeys, eat, pray, love. Oh, God. Okay. So Thanksgiving style, this this movie is was written and directed by Ryan Murphy, the guy who gave you Nip Tuck, American Horror Story, those true crime things like the OJ and the Bill Clinton thing. Uh, yeah, that Ryan Murphy, this was released August 13th in 2010, which is a little weird because it's a summer. It was released in summer, but it's like a very holiday-esque movie. Um, the movie is over two hours. The extended director's cut is about seven minutes longer, uh, which is crazy. Uh, the movie cost $60 million and it made over 200 million and it stars quite a few people, uh, including Julia Roberts, Javier Bardem, James Franco, Richard Jenkins, Viola Davis, Billy Crudup and Guts, Nickelodeon Guts himself, Mike O'Malley. Very happy that he's in there. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so when did you first see this? This came out in 2010, so God, how old was I? I was 29? Yeah, 30. 29, 30 years old. And you were 20, yeah, 29, 30 years old. Uh, And I remember seeing it in the theater, because I didn't read the book, but I remember it coming out and it being a very big deal. And uh, I do believe that I want to see it because I like Julia Roberts. I liked all the people in there. But upon watching it, I just didn't connect with any of it. And I love Julia Roberts, and I feel like she was hugely miscast in this movie. That was my initial thought. And I remember not really liking it back then. And then watching it again, I still didn't like it. 
Although there was a couple of funny moments like Richard Jenkins is the best part to me, but um, let's go with Dan, Dan, what, what's, what's the deal? Dan, why'd you pick this? Cause I hate he loves it. Cause, cause we have to, you know what? We need to add the loathing to this podcast. We've been too happy lately. Everything we watch, we're recommending. We're like, Oh, maybe it's a five-star movie. Oh, I could put this one up in the nineties and the hundreds. This one yeah. might be properly rated. And it has, uh, we're trying to keep with the food theme, Thanksgiving, togetherness, eat, pray, love, all the things you want to do on Thanksgiving, apparently. Um, and there's a Thanksgiving scene in this. So that's why I chose it. And it was horribly rated, which is a, uh, <laughs> which which is why we're here. But I picked this one, as as Brian said, it has such an incredible cast. It is based on a hugely successful and popular book. And I think that this thing just misses on every single level. I originally saw it definitely in the theater. Um, I believe that was my first year of law school summer break. And I was still managing the movie theater. And I came back to Austin to manage the movie theater. And I remember seeing this movie. And I'll be perfectly blunt with you guys. I don't remember anything about it other than not liking it until I rewatched it last night and there was stuff coming and I was like oh this movie really is broken into like three miniature movies with um um essentially and so I I I've seen it before I remember not liking it I chose it for this because I didn't like it and now I like it even less than I probably did in my memory because I oh man it. so it's one of those movies that even got worse with age yeah, in my opinion, and I'm sure we'll get into the details of that, but I really did not enjoy this on no. at all. It did. I thought maybe, oh, maybe I'll like this this part. Maybe I'll like the pray part. Maybe I'll like the love part. Maybe, I'll, but nothing did it for me. I paused it at one point, and it was only halfway through, and I could have sworn two hours went by. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, Chelsea, uh, eat, pray, loathe. Um, Coming back to it when you first see it, what what's going on? Well, as as being a young white woman in the in the two thousands, I did read this book. Um, wasn't great then. Uh, the movie is even worse, and I do remember seeing this movie and hating it, um, just for how kind of choppy and poorly paced it was, and I. I watched it again last night and I hate it even more. Like Dan said, damn Preston shed some light here. When did you first see this was, is this one of those boyhood movies for you or is it just <laughs> not on there? I don't know. Cause it is kind of a coming of middle age movie. Yeah, it's having a midlife crisis and being so selfish and leaving everything behind uh definitely not like boyhood boyhood you're starting from being a kid and you're you're getting into all the dreamy and wonderness and then re crushing reality later um i i'm probably going to be the one that likes this the most i'm not saying that i think it's a recommendable movie or anything like that but i do feel like there are a few nuggets of wisdom in here and there that are good i don't really like the character Julia Roberts character that much. Um, I, I feel like there's just some good moments with people that she has that are, that are nice and pleasant. Um, 
I, I I'll say that I really probably mostly enjoyed from a, a story standpoint. Uh, you you meant Brian, you mentioned Richard Jenkins part. I really enjoyed their dynamic. And then I also enjoyed beside one argument, um, the one with Javier Bardem. So I think there are some, some good moments that I can relate to and identify with, whether it's being a sensitive father or a uh, just being kind of clueless with your life a little bit, because I, I, I've kind of struggled with that myself this year a little bit with so many changes going on in my life that uh, you, you, you kind of need to go through these things to, to find, to grip the ground again. And um, so many people can identify with that, especially if you're approaching your middle ages or going through your middle ages. Um, Cause sometimes when you're a kid, you really want to uh, rush towards adulthood and so many things in your life are pointing you in that direction, whether it's school and you just don't get to live your youth uh, thoroughly. And so I feel like this movie, or at least some of the ideas that are there kind of touch on those things. I don't think the execution is great. Uh, uh, Dan mentioned uh, on our text messages that the movie has some pacing issues and I definitely agree with that. Um, so I can see I, I haven't read the book. I know Chelsea mentioned that she has and that it wasn't the, the best experience, but I, I could see it as I was watching it again. I could see like, oh, maybe some of these moments would be better as a book, but still I just kind of challenge her character a little bit. But again, I think there's some decent moments in this that are, that you can reflect on and that are somewhat meaningful. So uh, I, I think there's some good stuff here, but overall, I don't think it's the best. Okay. I, I, I agree. I, I would, I would, I would put, I, I would agree with that. I think the bad outweighs the good here. I want to go to Chelsea though, since she read the book, this book was written by Gilbert, the Julia Roberts character that she plays only a few years prior. Does the book or the movie, do they, is it really good like a translation or adaptation from script to screen or from book to screen or is there, they take a lot of liberties? Um, I don't quite remember if there's anything different. I don't really think there is. And if it's, and if there's anything different, it's not big enough for me to be like, Oh, well she ends up with this person instead of this person, or she says this instead of this. So I don't th think there's a lot of, um difference between the book and the movie okay um can i, I ask if it's because i think you could say that this movie was fashioned with heavy hands like it's really trying to get you trying to manipulate you trying to get you to feel things and it just doesn't it comes off very artificially and so i'm just curious if that's it's just kind of baffling to me that the writer kind of experienced these things and it feels like it comes from a place of truth, but this feels like it was crafted in such a way that it could be digested by the masses and doesn't feel gritty or anything like that. It's just like right down the middle. No. Um, and that's, that's one of the, that's one of the big, um, you know, problems people had with it saying, Oh, this is, this is just like a, a skinny white Karen having a midlife crisis. Um, now she's taking all of her book advance and she's going to these three countries trying to find her happiness, trying to find herself. Um, there's no kind of real struggle. There's no kind of real grit. 
Um, and I do think that it ultimately reading it, it, seeing the movie, seeing kind of like how much of a like worldwide phenomenon it was. Um, I think it was, you know, a great introduction to kind of self-help and, you know, finding your happiness. But I don't think this is uh, the greatest story about it. I yeah. I think because we're about to talk about why it bombed. I think the issue with the movie is that this is one of the first movies. It's probably the only movie I've ever seen where Julia Roberts is not very likable. Um, <laughs> at least for me, like she, there's a difference between a character making mistakes in their life and overcoming them and you're rooting for them. But it was hard for me to be like, she's on the right side of these arguments on these conflicts. And I understand that she was going through things and I'm not knocking the mental health side or finding yourself and finding the happiness, which is what they were trying to portray. But the way they portrayed it in this movie, she kind of comes across as a little bit, even definitely early on, she seems so selfish mm-hmm. and almost Super like- Super immature. And yeah, and immature. And like, yeah. she should be the villain of this movie. And the other issue that maybe the book shed more light on is- they don't have a they didn't have a big um letting you know about how much time had passed so even in the way where it's like now she's dating this severely this much younger actor which nothing wrong with that but this much younger actor is having dinner with like her couple friends and it seems like in the movie it was like she told billy crudup we're getting a divorce and then two weeks later like her friends are she's bringing her friend over to host for this thing i was like that's such a weird dynamic like all of this stuff just felt so weird. Um, and I think- like it, it seemed like the timing of the movie wasn't coherent. Uh, maybe it was. Maybe I, I don't know, because it seems like even though it, was, it felt like five hours, they still rushed a lot of things to me. You know, it just I, I and her character being just maybe it's the midlife crisis thing. I don't know. But uh, which. Which, yeah, there's so many male midlife crisis movies. And a lot of them aren't handled very well. But this one just, I mean, Billy Crudup comes across as a great guy in this movie. Now, his wife eventually is like, I don't want to be with you anymore. And he probably should have been more respectful of her wishes. But I mean, like in the early scenes on, he's like, I'm supportive of her. I'm going to dinner with her. And he's aloof and he's a goofball. But when she's like, I'm done with you. And he's like, I thought you liked all these characteristics about me. We've been together forever. You know me. I thought we were in love. It's like, I was like, yeah, he thought that you accepted all his flaws. It was like kind of tough to watch that part because she was the bad guy in that moment. Yeah, it kind of makes you fearful for your own relationship thinking that, uh, well, I mean, I experienced something like that when I was in in high, in high school with the, the girl that I was dating for almost five years and something very similar happened where we just broke up and it, I was so baffled by it and all the things that I thought she enjoyed about me or liked about me wasn't the case. And so I, I related to uh, him, but it's almost like she is the anti Forrest Gump in that she's like, make appearing in all these people's lives and and going to these different places and it's almost like she resets when she goes to 
every place. Like she's chasing experiences that she will learn from and change. And it doesn't seem like she's really doing much of that until we get to the very end and we have our typical like uh, romantic comedy, like, oh, I just realized got to go catch them before they get on the plane kind of thing. Um, and it, yeah, it was very, very half-assed. I do want to stress that I did some research this morning and she had been to like Italy, India, Bali before. Right. Yeah. She says even in the movie, she says um, like she has 49 stamps on her passport. Yeah. But she she was I guess she was going there now with the intention and her book advance of these different were like uh, like pleasure in Italy, devotion in India and like love in Indonesia. Um I don't know. I just think the whole concept oh. of it's very weird. And that's and that's the one thing I'll give the author and the movie. Like, I don't know how the book portrays it, but if you're going to write about yourself and make your be this honest to make your you kind of this unlikable, I respect the hell out of it. Like, it didn't seem like there were a lot of kid gloves or sugarcoating some of her decisions or how she treated some of the people in her life because the way the movie portrays it, and I, again, I don't know if this is the book, is that she only speaks with people in her life when it's convenient for her. And that for her to find herself and do all this sort of stuff, she only leans on people when it's for her. The only nice thing she ever did in the whole movie for someone else, in my opinion, before she goes on the journey and blah, 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 is Viola Davis was like, I'm going to go change my baby. And she was like, oh, I'll come keep you company but that was just to avoid more conversations out there with her husband and people. And I was like, yeah, as the movie went on, I was like, I'm not even sure if you were really praying for that. Uh, the lovely Indian bride or whatever. I saw you as a happy couple that seemed forced too. like, I didn't believe her. I didn't believe her. All right. All right. All right. So do you think that is because, cause I felt this very much so this like last night watching this mm -hmm. do you think that's because of julia roberts and I'm, I'm the first to say that i am a huge fan of julia roberts i love that woman i did not love her in this i think she's hugely miscast yeah i just don't think it's a good character so you that that's it i think julia roberts is capable of doing anything and i and i i like the chance of her playing someone that's a little against her type. Um, something like, uh, what was that movie that came out a couple of years ago with uh, that that young actor who's in, uh, is it Boy Erased or something like that? It's the same, same oh, kid in it. Um, I don't know. She was in a- back or something. Right? She, yeah. So it was like a more like very human character that had some flaws and wasn't, uh, you know, completely- likable well, even like Aaron Brockovich or something like that she's she's very capable of doing so many different types of work but uh, for, for something like this when it's so confusing as for the audience to be like am I supposed to be liking this character uh, like I, it's just that that's what uh, drives me nuts about it I, I think she's a she's a great actress and she can do something like this, but I just don't find her to be a very, like, as we mentioned, a likable character. So I don't really care about her journey. Yeah. I, I don't know. So, okay. Um, going back, why do you think this movie bombed uh, critically wise? Cause it did pretty well 
financially for the most part, but it's a summer movie that feels very holiday-like. I just, I feel like this movie was made for a certain type of group, um, most mostly women. Uh, and I don't know if any, if it was like a date movie you had to go to, but it's also very long. Why do you think it didn't really do well? Uh, all I the think, we explained. Yeah, I think- what? What'd you say? So for all the reasons we just explained. I think okay. the 15 minutes we just spent talking about it, I just think people went into it and a lot of people, you know, don't read the books. And so I'm sure a lot of critics went in here and be like, this is a Julia Roberts vehicle with a big budget behind it about self-discovery and Julia Roberts is this. And I think people watched this movie and were like, main character is not that likable. They don't really, in my opinion, land the plane on the eating, praying or loving. Um, and it was long. It was paced poorly. I, I think the critics kind of saw what we saw, just kind of a weird miscast jumble. All right. Chelsea, what do you think? What do you, what, what's, uh, it bombed very badly critically, but people still went to see it. But do you think that's just the Julia Roberts factor and maybe a late summer thing? This is such a weird time for this to be released, I feel like. No, like, like you said, I, I do think Julia Roberts was miscast. And no, I just think this was, this was a very poorly paced, weirdly shot kind of nothing kind of worked together it is it is strange okay so i agree there's a bunch so i forgot about it how odd some of the sequence are that that it's like visually uh shown um i want to say because the, the, the cinematographer again robert richardson who uh is a cinematographer for tons of tarantino movies and oliver stone movies um he recently did the stuff on equalizer three and ben affleck's air um he did once upon a time in hollywood and hateful eight and django unchained shutter island and glorious bastards kill bill volume one and two those are some of the best shot movies ever awesome. what happened with this one like what I don't understand where it was because there's none of those beautiful shots. Because when you think of beautiful cinema, you think of kind of Scorsese and Tarantino. This movie's not that, in which sucks because you're overseas a lot. Um, and there's like even, you know, maybe it's like the metaphor of her being trapped at the beginning, but when she's walking in the city and it's just like this odd angle of the camera looking up at Viola Davis and uh julia roberts is like is this supposed to mean she's trapped or because like it's just an odd thing that's not showing a lot i don't know i just it was a very uncolorful movie which should have been like there's a lot of browns and tans which i feel like should have been more colorful and boastful preston do you do you have anything to say about that or add i mean we've uh so like the cinematographer of drive did a movie that I think we referenced either it was either just us privately or on this podcast. We're talking about cherry. So he yeah, did, that same cinematographer did cherry and that it's so like loose and they're, I don't know if it's like more of like a paycheck type of thing. If they're just thinking, Hey, I can go, you know, travel all these places and just, you know, take it some easy money or something like that. I don't know if that's the mentality here, but uh, I think there's a few shots here and there where there's some movement that's kind of resembles the, the inner conflict of the characters. But for the most part, 
it's pretty standard. It's like a lot of medium shots and things like that. Uh, but every once in a while, there's a, there's some nice movement uh, when uh, the characters are moving or walking or they're having an argument or whatever it may be. Um, and a, a nice glow from the sunset or something like that. Some more of what you would expect out of this film. But yeah, I don't think it's uh, consistent. Yeah, I don't think it's consistent either. And it just, I feel like it takes me out of the movie where I want to see these great scenic locations and have the metaphor of those visuals coincide with her journey and it never mixed. Uh, I think it would have been great to have some scenes where she's just kind of, you know, off on her own and just experiencing things in silence and just kind of being observing of it. Which Richard tries to get her to do and they never show it. Yeah. Yeah. We, I needed some scenes like that. And I think that would have given an opportunity to, for the cinematographer to do some unique work. I feel like the most beautiful shot in this movie is that slow-mo uh, of the spaghetti. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With the, with the Parmesan yeah. cheese on top. Yeah. I, I think, you know, kind of going back to what um, Chelsea had said about arrival and journeys is like this movie should have had a visual style that could have linked her three journeys together so that there was a coherent through line. They keep trying to like shoehorn in these um, voiceovers or these wrapping it all up in ADR after the movie has been shot. And, and had they had, look, here's how Italy's going to look. Here's how India is going to look. Here's how Indonesia is going to look. We're going to make them really unique, but we're going to have that through line. And the only through line they try to do is they go back to the wedding when she's um, with Billy Crudup, where she's dressed differently. And I thought that was the most, um, the the one time I felt like she was realizing yeah. what he had given her, what she had with him. And she was recognizing she's moving on from it, but it had like removed that situation. I was like, oh, this is interesting visually. This is good. Um, they should have done that more um, to kind of link this whole thing together and show her journey. And that, I think that's the issue. You have a great cinematographer, but you, you had him say, shoot Italy, shoot flashbacks, shoot New York, <laughs> shoot. All of these have to look exactly the same. And, and it, that they're so unique. And that's part of her journey is they're like three of the most unique places, at least when you compare them to each other. And yeah. they try to do that. Okay. So, with this um, this book coming out like 16 years ago, 17 years ago, and the movie coming out 13 years ago, do you think like the message still resonates with women and men of like what she's doing? Because we've talked about like she probably went about this all wrong or it's very hard to walk that fine line of somebody having a midlife crisis and how to do it right because you make mistakes and stuff like that. But do you think hers, Gilbert's, was justified do you think she actually found happiness or do you think she was again selfish like we've said and in modern times in 2023 do you think people should do this like I, this inspire like it's it's like wild like um with reese witherspoon or this movie it's like leaving your life and going on this journey um do you think this is like the smart way to go about it well i mean that's gonna get into a whole philosophical thing where it's like 
<laughs> everyone get philosophical dan get Every, philosophical. everyone's everyone's situation is completely different and so i'm not going to begrudge someone who has a midlife crisis or realizes they're not happy in their marriage and wants to move on so i don't know if it's expanded from now i just think that there's a lot more recognition of mental health and finding your happiness and respect and the things that you need to do in order for people to not be like wait a minute, you just left your husband on Tuesday and now on Friday you're in Italy eating your way to happiness? Um, <laughs> and, then, and then wait a minute, you're going to hop a plane to here and hop a plane, like the way it's portrayed in the movie, I think is very 2010. And I think we've definitely yeah. evolved as a culture in the past decade plus to the point where this type of situation would have been, first of all, handled differently probably by the author, who wrote the story it was her story but i'm sure there's things that she would have done different in 2023 than back when she did it and i definitely know for a fact the movie would have been portrayed differently because like we've said a thousand times the main character we're all here for characters making mistakes and finding their way and rooting for them and they do not portray her as someone i just don't yeah. think we have enough information about her or her relationship it's just kind of like yeah. put even even reading the book it, i mean it doesn't really expand on anything so i i'm supposed to look at you know her as this woman seeking enlightenment um just kind of falling out of love with someone they don't have the same ideals expectations anymore which amazing fine i i love that for you like go and do your thing but i just feel like i don't have enough backstory on her her relationship at all to just be like well fuck him um he's likable you know she's gonna go and live her life kind of thing yeah if this movie was made about richard jenkins's character which we get more backstory out of him and his little monologue than we do from her like just the the, the idea of following someone who is an alcoholic who came very close to killing his own child and then his wife and child leaving him. And then he needs, he wants to go find his, there, there's a window for somebody to immediately understand where they're coming from and the shame they feel, the guilt they feel. And, uh, it, but he's still a very likable character. Um, there's, there's, uh, the funny line where, uh, Julia Roberts's character Gilbert says, you know, you always speak in bumper sticker, like, which didn't, wasn't that a line in Twilight? I, I can't remember. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, it, it's, it's, um, I, I almost feel like it was. I feel anyway. like it is too. <laughs> um, but, but like th there, there's a really good journey with a character that you could uh, relate to. Um, so yeah, I think Chelsea's hitting it that, we needed some more information there to kind of feel for her experience. Cause the only thing I gathered from it all is that, especially from the argument that she has with Javier Bardem at the very end is that, that her guard is up and like, or there's this threshold that she has or this, you know, whatever you want to call it, that's around her. That's not allowing things to change for herself. Like it's so thick until like she realizes uh, all the way to the final, the, the edge of the line that uh, that she should allow these things to take hold. But like, that's the reason why experiences are meaningful and why you should be learned from them, that sort of thing. And so 
um, yeah, the, the, the groundwork wasn't done well enough for us to just, you know, sit through a two and two almost two and a half hour long movie and, uh, you know, have sympathy for her cause. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's Dan. I was going to say that that's, it all goes back to the husband, like the, the jumping off spark, the big bang moment of this movie and her journey. You can't portray you don't have to make the husband a bad guy but we need some sort of reason why this fell apart or a little bit more of an explanation because billy crudup's likable and in the final in the final few moments where they show him that he he got remarried and he has a child and he seems just like so happy i was like good for that guy it worked out like i was happy it worked out for him too (laughs) like i was like oh i hope his journey was great he found someone who lets lets them lo- lets him love them the way that he can love them and that someone who accepts him for all of his flaws and i didn't get that with julia roberts so at the end with javier bardem i was like bro you better go start chasing daniel craig around on some other island because i don't think this is gonna last <laughs> like- well it's it's such a weird moment in how ryan murphy um showcased that relationship because i'd imagine what preston said earlier with Javier and Julia Roberts having that argument, which did was like so out of place and her running off him going to the Island. And then all of a sudden she like leaves him a note, meet me on the dock. And it's just, it's uh, it's like, wait, what happened in between that? Why, what was she still looking for? And and all it took was this, this guru, this this guy, this old guy she became friends with was saying, like, your life is out of balance. But if you add love, it throws it in balance. You know, something like and that. And that was it. That's like what changed her. She just needed to hear it from him. It didn't make sense to me. And it's it's so unfair to Javier Bardem's character. Right. Know? Like when you really think about it, she's settling because she knows she needs love and she found someone who loves her. And she's like, OK, well, this is the first guy who's loved me since I had my divorce and went on this uh, like yeah it wasn't explored enough for us to root for it other than for us to be like oh well they're gonna split up pretty soon Mm -hmm. I I really hated that argument because I feel like I really liked him in the beginning like because as I mentioned earlier with one of the reasons why I liked this film or like some aspects of it was because he was a sensitive father it showed like how loving caring and uh, like forgiving of a person he is and that the way that how intense that scene was portrayed it didn't it didn't match up with it felt like a, a character abandonment for him that he did not it didn't seem like he had understanding for her like he couldn't just been like hey you know like I understand that you have all these things going on in your life. All I'm saying is like, I have patience for you, like whatever we need to do, like just something like th- that would seem more in line with this character type that he would have more understanding for her. Um, and and he was just more like yelling at her and saying like, fuck you for, you know, feeling this way. Like you're not right in the head. And so I hated that. Well, I think I, I because I guess Billy Crudup, got the same thing almost as he was getting because yeah. Billy Crudup, you mean like that line that really rings true is you didn't give me a chance to fix anything. You didn't say anything. You just left. And I'm just here as like, you don't want to fix anything and you don't want to do it's something like that. And with 
Javier, I feel like it was like the same thing, but with Javier, he's just, you know, he's more emotional. Like you said, like he's much more emotional than Billy was that we saw. Um, And he lets it out because he knows that she loves him. She's preventing herself and he wants to get through to her. And the only way he knows how is to be that passionate. And it didn't come off as something good. But then, you know, they have their breakup and she just needs to hear it from one person, one line, and then it's all changed. And I'm just like, where, I mean, I know it's a movie, but oh man, it could have been handled better, right? Yes, and because the movie shot so weird and there's no real time thing, we don't know how long they were together. So this this whole thing is supposed to happen within a year. Yeah, so a couple months. Yeah. At most, a couple, I mean, and that's just... I mean, for them to be that deep in, I don't, I don't know. I don't. Maybe I'm different. It just seemed like they were having some really specific relationship arguments for knowing each other. For we'll give them three and a half, four months at most. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it's just it, nothing worked out for me. Well, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out what set her off from having that argument because all he asked her to do was go to an island for a few days and have a good time. But I think that represented, Hey, I'm going to, to, to use that Italian crossover. Like I'm going to cross over into this new relationship. Am I going to allow myself to, to be happy, to love somebody else? And I think that's what it represented for her. I don't like her. Yeah, it's kind of like she wanted to see everything that she planned, everything that she wanted to do. She wanted to, you know, see it all the way to the finish line before she like made any sort of decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that seems what she was protecting herself uh, at, during that moment. There's a funny line. Uh, I'm going to read it right now. It's in Roger Ebert's review. Another aspect of that relationship with Javier Bardem's character says that she meets Felipe, Javier Bardem's character, another divorced exile who is handsome, charming, tactful, and a good kisser. He explains that he lives in Bali because his business is import-export, which, quote, you can do anywhere. Although later he explains she must move to Bali because, quote, I live in Bali because my business is here, end quote. They're both they both forgotten what he said earlier, unless perhaps you can do import export anywhere, but you can only import and export from Bali when you live there. That would certainly be my alibi. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah, there's another line in this review that's so funny. It doesn't quite click with me, but I get what he's going for says, during this journey, great-looking men are platooned at her and a wise man who has to be reminded who she is, remembers instantly, although what he remembers is only what she just told him. <laughs> like, no, it's crazy. <laughs> oh, you are, you are a girl. No, I am not girl from California. I'm girl from New York. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a, it's crazy. It's uh, I, I didn't understand that either, but yeah, it, it just goes to show that it was, um, just I think poorly executed by Ryan Murphy, like the dialogue and maybe he didn't get like, do you think Julia Roberts is a good actress in this minus what we think about the character or do you think she sold it? Or do you think like, you know, an older Kristen Bell or somebody we all really like, like was really likable. Um, 
like would have sold this character better. I don't know. Uh, to, to me, my opinion, like I said earlier, like I like the character is supposed to be like this intelligent, witty, uh, but very much confused uh, character. I, I feel like she does well within these certain moments. But again, it's just like the, the, the character that I just can't feel anything for. It, it makes that struggle. I don't know if you put another actress in there that it would communicate any differently to me because those beats are still in place in this story. And no matter who you put in there, I think the, what they're trying to, or what they accomplish or what they don't accomplish within that are arguments. Um, I don't think it would make much, much of a difference to me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So moving on to something more fun. Uh, the quote. So I feel like this movie is littered with quotes that people have actually framed and put on their wall. <laughs> uh, is there a quote from the movie that you would put on your wall? I I wrote down a couple of them that I thought were either, I don't know if I'd hang them on my wall, but I thought they were interesting or funny. Um, I, I enjoyed, so I'm just kind of looking at it in the in in the order that i you know watched it and so there's there's a moment where they uh her and viola davis talk about like the exact moment you wanted a baby that i thought was that was nice um and then and there's all there's all this like parenting wisdom about like having a baby is like having a tattoo on your face you really have to be committed and that sort of thing so i thought that was pretty fun and interesting uh there's like some fun ones with uh that i thought with uh, James Franco's character when it's like a off screen moment. Like you can just hear the dialogue at the dinner table and someone is asked, it's Viola Davis's husband in the film. And says like, why are you a vegetarian? He's like, oh, I saw a video of some cows getting slaughtered. And <laughs> I just found that so like simple. And like, of course that, that would be him. Um, if anybody else has any. I'm yeah. So Chelsea has one. Chelsea, what'd you have? I mean the Richard Jenkins one. She thinks I changed my name to motherfucker. Yeah, it's uh, a good one for me. I love. Well, so Preston texted last night and was like, are "These these are Brian lines. Which lines were those?" There's the motherfucker one and the chicken one I referenced during my opening. <laughs> <laughs> they were pretty good. I would say those as as the one who has been divorced on this show. <laughs> I could I could vouch for it. <laughs> Uh, you know that was rated p it was rated r um before they changed it to pg-13 because they used the motherfucker it's one of they the can, you can use like one right not mother so in the trivia it it said one of very few pg-13 rated movies to use the word motherfucker yeah um that, the that mpaa like originally rated it r solely because of the line but ryan murphy uh, successfully appealed them to re-rate it. Oh, so he did one good thing. Yeah, he did one good thing. Good for him. Yeah. D- Dan, any any of them that stuck out to you? The only one that stuck out to me, um, just because she's a wealthy woman living in New York City and had traveled <laughs> all these other times before, is when she's like, I want to go someplace where I can marvel at something. Mm-hmm. And it just made me laugh because I was like, You've been, the movie opens with you just like in this 
incredible Indian village. You talk about all the travels you had. She's like, I just want to go somewhere where I can. I like, want to marvel something. at gelato and spaghetti. Yeah, so I, I want to go somewhere <laughs> I can see something. And I was like, you just established with us that you've seen everything and you're still a miserable person. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. First world problems. Yes. I was just annoyed by that because it was, I think my favorite favorite moment in the movie besides like the funny Richard Jenkins stuff I really liked when Richard and her were having that really close heart to heart and she asks him it's like something similar to um has it worked for you and he goes I'm still trying I'm still yeah. trying to get yeah. that I love that I thought that was great but that's that's another part of the whole theme of the movie for me is the way it was portrayed and the way it was acted is that she solved the riddle. She eat, prayed, and loved, and now she's a perfect, happy person again. Maybe you guys read it differently, but it's like she's successful. Meanwhile, you have Richard Jenkins putting in this work, and he's like, I'm never going to get there. This is a work in progress. And like Julia Roberts' character is like, I want to marvel at some stuff. I ate, I prayed, and I found love, and now everything's great again. And I, I wish it was just like she had been more like, this is a, this is a journey. Like, this is a journey for me that'll never end. And it was, I don't know, weird. Spoiler, spoiler alert in her life. She, uh, she divorced Felipe. Oh shit. Um, so (laughs) I didn't know that, but yeah, you could have literally been like, Dan, tell me one thing about her life. And I was like, I'll bet she's been divorced and remarried at least two more times because you are, you are correct. I'm not surprprised, but you know, she's, she's out there finding it. Um, the other thing that bothered me about the movie, the, the the piece of dialogue, I don't know why it bothered me so much, but is when she's talking with Viola Davis and yeah. she brings up the salad. She's like, what are you going to have for lunch? A salad? That's It's like so basic. And I was like, what is shit? She's attacking salads now? Is this the war on salad? What's happening? Brian, Brian, you need to shut up. She needs to marvel at something. Like, <laughs> Salad. All those American girls, when they go over to Italy, all they want is pasta and the sausage. <laughs> and the sausage. I oh, wish so crazy. I wish we had someone on here to tell us how like culturally offensive this movie was, because I'd really like to hear about it. Like I tried to find some like problematic articles from back when this movie came out but i couldn't really find anything but I, there were definitely some what i consider to be some stereotypes in this movie that oh, I, yeah. I, I was hoping to find something problematic with it but i couldn't so the soundtrack the music of the film are we upset or did it make the movie better that um heart of gold um by the man the myth the legend uh neil young is used so much there's a better use of neil young in a quiet place. I agree. Dancing. That's my I agree. Favorite. I agree. Did, did, did any of the song cues stick out with you in this? I, I recognize Stevie Nicks. And because yeah, Mark Murphy has a long history of using her music. But I mean, I you can have like Sly and the Family Stone. You have Neil Young. You have Eddie Vedder. Uh, Fleetwood Mac. I... I've, it's, it's okay, but I think it's just used very cheesily. Like, it's just very on the nose. It's like, uh, whatever. Well, it's used cheesily, but it's still a fun soundtrack. Like, if you just put on just the soundtrack, I think there's a lot of good songs. Um, yeah. So if you separate it from the points that it's in the movie, like, I liked the music. 
honestly, the music, I was like, oh, I like this song. Like <laughs> I would pop on and be like, oh, I still like this song. And it, but it didn't make me like the movie anymore. Yeah. So one of my favorite, oh, go ahead, Preston. I was, I was going to say like, this kind of encompasses everything that you were talking about earlier about a line that you didn't like, but also relating to music. I hated that line that she said when she was trying to make uh, Felipe feel bad for liking Phil Collins and Air Supply. It's like, what the <laughs> oh, And yeah. she's like, don't tell anybody about that. And I'm That's, like, wait, what? Phil Collins I, I, and Air I, Supply? I felt that. You really shouldn't say thing. that out loud. Yeah. yeah that was a weird man, thing to that. say. Like I said, I, I, my retort would be, who the fuck do you listen to? <laughs> I'd be like, ICP Marvel. and Limp Biscuit. Um, but, and Creed. So, I, the, when maybe the best part of this movie, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, this movie opened up with, against the first Expendables movie. Hell yeah. The Expendables came in number one. Eat, Pray, Love came in number two. Who's in Eat, Pray, Love? Julia Roberts. Who's in The Expendables? Eric Roberts. Oh, Eric Roberts he got one win. He got <laughs> he got one win. Uh, pretty incredible, right? That's fun. I'm sure. I don't know. Do they spend time? Together? Imagine in a world 2023, this happened. It would not be Barbenheimer. It would be like Eat, Pray, Expendable, right? Like they would have like the dual yeah. double feature with this, right? I'm, I don't yeah. know. I don't think Barben Barbenheimer can ever be replicated. Saw Patrol was my favorite joke. Saw Patrol. Yeah. Saw Patrol. That was the best joke. I loved that. Um, Pray expendable. I don't know. Uh, so I guess to kind of round this out, um, do you think this movie like holds up? Do you recommend it? Do you think it earns the 36%? Does it go less? Does it go more? We'll start with Preston. Um, I'd say it's right where it needs to be for me. As I mentioned, there are some moments and, and I have more bullet points that I, uh, you know, made as I was watching it that I thought were fairly good. Um, but yeah, overall, like you mentioned, Brian, like the, the bad outweighs the good. And so I, I don't think I wouldn't recommend it. I think there are more influential and meaningful journey films out there i think even the reese witherspoon uh one from a couple of years ago wild wild was was better because it was a little grittier i like i think that's what i was wanting out of this like if you're gonna if you're gonna focus on a film about a messy individual i want to see some mess i want to see like the getting hands dirty making mistakes in like a in, in a more like daring way and this just felt like so I don't know, papered in goodness. I don't know. It's just like, if it was very artificial to me, like it, like this would be digestible by a church crowd or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea, what do you have to say? Um, I feel like this movie would have been much better if it had a different director. I know uh, Gary Marshall was tapped to direct um, but he didn't want to travel. Um, I think this would have been much better as a Gary Marshall film, a runaway bride, a yep. um, pretty woman, how things are, you know, 
how he has directed Julia Roberts and stuff like that. Um, I think she would be ultimately more likable, even if the source material is the same. Mm-hmm. But I think this would have really uh, been elevated if Ryan Murphy was not involved. I do not recommend it just because it's so kind of weirdly paced that it feels kind of like you're going at breakneck speed for a little bit. Um, but no, it, this is something that, you know, I walk in and somebody's playing it on Thanksgiving and I and I look over and I say, oh, fuck, eat, pray, love. I'm going in the other room. So <laughs> not recommended. Yeah. All right, Dan, what do you think? Can't recommend it. I think the critics are right. Um, I think it's a pretty fair score, to be honest with you. I think it probably could have been lower based on all the complaints that we had about not only just the character, but all the technical things where there was really no vision. Uh, the needle drops were corny. The cinematography, there, India looked like Italy. Um, all of those things. And I just, I can't recommend it. As Preston said, there are so many other self-discovery movies out there about someone finding themselves and finding their purpose that um, you'd be much better off. Honestly, watching Into the Wild, that guy dies at the end and it's more inspirational than this movie. Um, 127 hours, you have to watch a guy cut his arm off, which is what it felt like watching this movie. Watch a better James Franco movie. Watch 127 hours. <laughs> that's what that's what I mean. Like, there's just so many examples out there, and this just feels long. It feels bloated. Yet, as you guys said, it moves so fast, and it's so uh, not a recommendation for me. This is a loathe. This is a loathe. This is a loathe. This is a loathe. Yeah, I agree. At 36. percent I think it, it probably 25, 20 percent. There's yeah, it's just not there. I don't care to watch it again. Um, I would like to see a Rift Tracks version of this, uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 style. But other than that, I'm not going to recommend it. If for those who are very curious, the director's cut 140 minutes long is on Netflix. Um, so enjoy. Uh, before we leave, um, we got to have like one fun. La- oh, well, two things. Fucking Dan. Yeah, How are we relating this to John Wick? John Wick's killed a lot of people in a lot of these locations. I don't know if he's been to... Uh, has he been John to Wick is eat, praying, and loving his way through fucking John Wick. Has he been to India? <laughs> he's not... Well, has he been to India? I think he's been everywhere, man. I mean... I mean, I, it doesn't have to be shown on the screen for him. That's fair. Have gone it, to it, India. Would be great. it would be great if Julia Roberts in this movie just checked into, like, the Indian continental... Yes. <laughs> they cross paths. Hey, I got I got your connection right here. It's visual, so I'll explain it after the fact. So there's the poster. Oh, yeah. I love it. Oh, oh, I know where you're going. Oh. I love yeah. it. I love it. <laughs> so everyone go Google or look up on IMDb the Eat Pray Love poster of her sitting on the bench eating and then look up Keanu Reeves' sad meme. And there yeah. you go. Same Sad thing. Keanu. He's praying, loving. That's so good. All right. Uh, to round this episode of Fear and Loathing in Cinema podcast up, um, I like that this question was posed uh, earlier in our private chat. Um, replace one word in the Eat, Pray, Love title with something else to make it better. <laughs> Drink. Well, say it. Hmm. 
Oh, Lord. oh, eat, drink, love. Okay, eat, eat drink, love. love. What'd you say? Eat dick, love. Eat dick, love. Perfect. <laughs> Florida woman. How, how did you see my tattoo? <laughs> <laughs> Preston? I still stand by what I texted. Eat ass, love. Eat ass, love. I say eat, pray, masturbate. I'm the only one who took it seriously. You guys are all immature. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, just so, here, I'm just here to marvel at things dan should be eat pray law <laughs> <laughs> if i ever open my own firm that's what it's gonna be called oh eat, my pray, god law, and there's gonna be it's yes oh it'll be amazing eat pray law there'll be a little you would get a lot of I, I feel like you would get a lot of um of clients just based on the the uh name alone yeah. yeah, he specializes in bird law. <laughs> uh, I think if I was serious, it would be eat movies, love, or something like that. But they did that already, right? With that one outlet that shall not be named, right? Birth movies, death. Yeah, pretty much. So yeah, yeah. I like it. I Hi. like that we went sexual with it, except for Dan, which very weird. <laughs> I had I, I had love in there. He did. He did. Eat I'm just ass love and eat dick love. I mean, Chelsea and Preston were on the same wavelength there. Uh, so good. Uh, all right. Well, we are Fear and Loathing Cinema Podcast. Thank you for listening. We're going to have a couple more Thanksgiving movies until we get into the Christmas and Hanukkah holidays. Uh, Preston, where can everybody find you on them internets? Find me on freshfiction.tv and dittonrc.com for Dent Record Chronicle. And you can find me on Instagram under Blu-ray Dad and everything else under Preston Barta. Preston Barta, there he is, Blu-ray Dad. All right, Dan Moran, where can they find you, sir? Fair and Loathing and Cinema Instagram. And email, right? Can we say email? Yeah, you can email me. It's fearandloathinginsinema at gmail.com. Yeah. Good. We're going to email you. Chelsea. Oh, or my other one, eat dick love69 at gmail.com. ASL. <laughs> That's an old joke. <laughs> Every millennial is like, what does that mean? Um, Chelsea, why do you hate this and where can they find you? I, I just hate it, but you can find me on my new OnlyFans, eat pussy love. <laughs> um, <laughs> after this um please don't google that um <laughs> he doesn't want you to find her site well we'll so just you, leave it at that then right <laughs> no you can you can find me uh most most of the time with chelsea nico miss underscore tenabom on twitter Awesome. <laughs> um, I'm Brian Kluger. You can type Brian Kluger into the internet and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram where I'm mostly doing stuff. TikTok as well. Um, catch me every Wednesday, noon till two on Soundtracks Radio, em-radio.com and highdefdigest.com and boomstickcomics.com. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week.